Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. We are bringing a particular section to a conclusion today, and uh, that's to do with praying for sinning Christians. We dealt with verse 16, uh, the first part of verse 16 last week. We dealt with the second part of verse 16 the previous week. So we've been jumping around a little bit here. Uh, today what I want to do is I'll, I'll read the first part of verse 16 because it does relate to verse 17. And we're going to look at verse 17 today. I want to give you some practical things. Let's begin reading first in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 16. I'm only going to be reading the first half of it because it relates to verse 17. He says, If anyone sees his brother sinning, a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, and that is in prayer, and he, God, will give him life for those who commit sin, not leading to death or not unto death. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, and I said this is such a key verse, he says all unrighteousness is sin. Now, I, I, you know, I think it's really tremendous that he says, listen, as much as I'm, uh, you know, I'm talking to you about sin that does not lead to death, anything that is unrighteous is sin. So we need to make sure that we are not looking at it and going, well, this isn't as bad as my dirty old Uncle Harry down the street, you know, <laughs> okay? And we're not making comparisons uh, because God is always looking to see how you are progressing based on you. Not based on your dirty Uncle Harry or whatever else. And the other thing also, you know, in doing things like that, several things can happen. Number one, you know, if somebody's so far ahead of you, you just, you know, you kind of think, I'm never going to catch up, so why bother? If you are too far, you know, if you are ahead of them, you can have your nose up in the air and go, well, you know, I'm so amazing. And <laughs> okay, lead to pride. Either way, it's not good. That's why we never look at other people when we, when we look at ourselves. We need to ask ourselves one question. How are we doing today compared to yesterday, last week, last year? Are you all with me? Amen. If we are progressing, and yes, we do have ups and downs, and you know, it, it's not a day-to-day -day thing, but we need to understand on the whole, if we're increasing, that's what God is looking for. Amen? All right. And in, in saying that, I, in relating to this, what, you know, what we need to be doing is, you know, I guess in a sense, checking our unrighteousness meter. <laughs> okay, just to see how it's going. Is it getting less? It should be getting less. The righteousness meter should be going up and the unrighteousness meter should be going down. Amen. And we should be getting to a place where there is hardly a, a moment in our life that we, you know, that we're doing something wrong. You know, we might have started with every two minutes we're doing something wrong to a place where every five minutes or every hour and then every couple of days, hello, and then every couple of weeks, every so often we miss it. And, you know, we need to understand that we're never going to get to the place as much as we try. And this is what we, you know, our aim is to get to the place where we never commit sin. Can I get amen on that? Oh, I need amen on that one. <laughs> okay. All right. However, if we do commit a sin, the last thing that we want to do is get to the place where we are then condemning ourselves and saying, how could I do that? You know, it's been weeks and then suddenly I just dropped the ball. And, you know, and the devil can use that to bring condemnation to you. And that's why, you know, Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And he does go on to qualify by saying those who, you know, as long as they're walking after the Spirit, not after the flesh. So that's the important thing as well. And to walk after the Spirit, 
also means that we ask God for forgiveness. We are, we are spiritually minded. Amen? And that we do understand that when we do something wrong, we do need to go to God who is spirit. <laughs> okay? He's not just a spirit, but let, let's just uh, not go down there today. But, you know, we, we need to be thinking spiritually and understand that anything that we do wrong down here does have consequences in the spirit. It opens the door to things. Hello. Amen. And so we need to quickly shut that door, which is 1 John 1, 9. Hallelujah. And uh, let me just continue on and read in, uh, a commentary by Thomas F. Johnson. I really like this. He says, completing, regarding verse 17, uh, I almost said verse 7, verse 17, he says, completing the discussion of prayer for those who have sinned, the elder reminds his readers that all sin is to be taken seriously. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, all sin, whether big or small, needs to be taken seriously. He says a point, which, uh, a point he has made repeatedly from the beginning. The church does not, uh, does not take sin lightly. All wrongdoing is sin. And it should not seem less significant because it can be prayed for and forgiven. Remember what the Apostle John said, you know, following 1 John 1 9. I really love 1 John 1 9. I think it needs to be one of those things in every Christian's life that we always come back to. Are you all with me? Amen. And I've said this before, you know, the, the place to stop a sin is in your thought life. You know, as soon as it comes up, that's one of the, I, I told you this before, there's one of the greatest secrets to walking a, a Christian life the way it, pleasing unto the Lord. Okay, can I say that? Walking worthy and pleasing unto Him is to, to deal with things in the mind when it first hits you. You know, if you, if you get a thought and you just rebuke the thought, you'll never get to the place where you, you know, you're committing a deed, so to speak. Okay, amen? It all allows, you know, <laughs> I a famous uh, a minister, I, I mentioned this before, uh, you know, said, somebody came up to him and said, uh, Brother, could you pray that I never have a bad thought again? And he said, if I can pray that for you, I'd pray it for me. You know, there is a devil. Understand something that, you know, you might think, well, didn't I think that I'd got past all of this? Did, you know, wasn't I past all of this? You know, I, I made commitments and, and so on and so forth. And how come I'm having these thoughts? Because there is a devil. You need to understand that the devil will stand over your head and he will talk things into you. It is coming from the outside, not from the inside. That's the revelation you need. Can I get amen, please? Okay? You need to understand that once you've turned your back on something, just because you think about it and you have a thought about it does not mean it's still a part of your life. There is something that will bring those things to your remembrance. Just like God will remind you of something that you had never thought of. You know, he might just say, hey, remember when? And you go, oh, yeah. Just like that, the devil can do it too. <laughs> okay? He can bring thoughts. But the, the, uh, this minister went on to say, he said, listen, I can't stop the birds from flying over the air. You know, you can't stop the thoughts. But he said, I sure stop them from nesting in my hair. Amen. Whether you meditate on it or not, that's up to you. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? So we need to learn how to rebuke those thoughts the moment they come. If we stand and say, no, that is not a part of me anymore. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. That's the place to hit it. And that's the place to take it down. Because once it takes root, it'll start working its way down. Amen. Amen. Okay. And um, I love what uh, the Apostle John, remember he said in 1 John chapter 2, following 1 John 1, 9, following if we confess our sin or acknowledge our sin, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says in verse, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. In other words, he's saying, listen, I understand that you sin, we all do. But he's saying, I'm not writing this so that you sin. I'm writing this so that and whenever you fall, he's saying, it's better if you don't sin. But if you do, don't let the devil hold that over you for the rest of the day, for the rest of your life. Can I get amen on that? Amen. The idea is to get rid of it immediately, get restored. Remember, he, I, I love that he says that he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Means he puts you back into a place of perfect righteousness. Amen. So that you are, you are in perfect communion, communication, and fellowship with God again. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, I have, I have things to talk about. Let, let's move on. <laughs> and that should be our goal, to live a sin-free life. Because that's what allows us to run our race, overcome every obstacle, and obtain our prize. And to help those who may be having a difficult time. Now, because I like to be practical. Have you noticed? Okay. Uh, we are talking about praying for sinning Christians. So I'm going to give you some prayers to pray for sinning Christians. I am also going to give you a prayer once they get out of that, what to pray after that. Because don't leave them. They're still vulnerable, okay, <laughs> all right? So I'll do all that for you today as a conclusion to this mini-series, all right? Okay, so I've said here, let me repeat what I said. To help those who may be having a difficult time with this, here's a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the Colossian church that would fit perfectly here, where he says in Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to be reading from verses 9 through 14. The, this is a tremendous prayer. So you, if you know, so the, the reason I'm giving this to you is this. You know, I've said this before, I need to repeat it here, I think. One of the ways that the enemy can take you down, cause you to doubt, is to have Christians around you, you know, that you admire maybe, or that, that you, you sort of look, look to do things and you just think, dear God, how can, you know, how can a Christian do that? You know, it kind of, and also understand something. I said this before, don't ever look at a Christian that you think you know, and they're going through something and you're thinking, how come? They're so amazing and they're so wonderful. And, and yet they're going through this thing. Remember two things. Number one, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Remember also, you know, God said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Amen. And also, you don't know what all is going in their life. <laughs> okay. That's the third one I want to throw in there. Right? You know, we think we know people. We don't know people. How come God doesn't tell me? Because it's none of your business. Amen. What you are to do is look at yourself and you, before God, do what you know is right. And don't, don't look at somebody else's life and say, well, if that's how it is, don't do that. The only person you can judge is you. You look at your life. If you are doing the right thing and something is going off, then you need to be concerned. If you're doing everything right and things are working and you see somebody else who you think is doing everything right and things are not working, please don't you know, let what you're doing falter because of that. Hey, you're doing well. You're getting blessed. Continue on. And then pray for them. What do I pray? I'm going to tell you in just a minute. Okay. So <laughs> okay. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, he says, For this reason also, since the day we heard, heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Let me stop there. Notice he says filled with the knowledge of his will. One of the reasons I've noticed that people get off track. Can I just use that word to be kind? <laughs> okay. One of the reasons I feel like people get off track 
is because they don't know God's will for their life. You know, the Bible says that without a vision, people perish. And I, as I said before, you know, I'm not talking about the vision. I had too much pizza, you know, <laughs> went to bed. It was weird. The pepperonis came up, man. And I mean, I was having all kinds of visions. No, no, not that kind of vision, okay? We're talking about something that is laid before you, something that you aim for, something that you move towards. Do you understand? If you don't have anything to move towards, you won't get out of bed. Well, you might, but it'll be purposeless. The rest of the day will be just as useless as you might have stayed in bed. You might have stayed in bed. You know what I'm trying to say? You don't want those kind of days. You want to get up and get going. And you want your life to mean something. Because, you know, every day is precious. Can I get an amen on that? Please do treat every day in that way. All right. So I want you to notice the first thing he says is that you may be filled. And this is what you pray for these people. That they may be filled and for yourself. That <laughs> you are <laughs> be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. See, what you want is spiritual understanding. It's not just, uh, notice wisdom, first of all. Okay, that is a powerful thing. We could do a whole series on wisdom. Amen? All right? And so, you know, that, that's something else that people that, that make mistakes don't have wisdom. Do you know what I'm trying to say? If they had wisdom, they'll, they'll, you know, God will be able to speak to them and say, do you understand the consequences of this? You know, wisdom looks at that and says, I'm going to consider the consequences, not, you know, not just only because God said no, because he said no for a reason. And the reason is this. And I agree with him. <laughs> okay? That's wisdom. You know, it's a stupid person that does something that sticks their hand on a, on a flame. Well, just because my parents said not to do it, I'm just going to be rebellious and do it. You know what's that called? Burning your hand. Now you're going to be in pain for a very long time. Are you all with me? Amen. You know, that, that's stupid. Okay? Wisdom says, they told me not to do that. I know why. Because it will, it will hurt me, so I'm not going to do it. That's what sin is. There we go. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. Fill with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I want you to also understand, notice He says spiritual understanding. The reason He says spiritual understanding and the reason why we need to pray that is so that people understand that there are spiritual consequences that result in natural tra tragedies and uh, you know, all kinds of problems when you do something. Amen. When you sin, when you walk in any kind of unrighteousness, it does open the door to the devil. Sin opens a door to the devil. And if you have spiritual understanding, you'll be able to see into that. And you go, oh no, I'm not going to give him any access into my life. I've got enough problems right now to let him in anyway. <laughs> yeah, amen. You know, Jesus said, you got enough problems for the day, man. Don't worry about tomorrow. Verse 10. I've got to get through this. He goes, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. I think that is incredible. Notice how he talks about working, walking worthy of the Lord. I want you to notice that the people that are sinning or walking in this kind of unrighteousness are not walking worthy of the Lord. Can I get an amen on that? All right, so this is an incredible prayer because it brings this aspect of it in as well. You actually pray. Remember calling things that be not as though they were. That's what we're meant to be doing. Amen? We are not meant to be talking about the mountain. We're meant to be casting it into the ocean. We are, not, we are not meant to help it to stay there and, and root itself in our life. We are meant to be casting it out so it doesn't stay in our life any longer than it already has. You know, one more day is one day too many. <laughs> Amen, I'm just saying. All right, so this is one of those things that you, you, know, you need to pray. We, we need to stop complaining and start praying. You know, I said this before. If we took the time to pray the amount of time that we complain, something will happen. Amen. Amen. Okay, so 
<laughs> yeah, let, let me share this because I, I shared in the morning and it blessed everybody. So, you know, whenever you begin to pray, because some people sort of say, you know, what happens when, so, you know, when the devil comes at me and says, well, they're getting worse, they're not getting any better. Why bother praying? You know, if any negative thoughts hit your mind, do you know what you do? Go, thanks, devil. Thanks for reminding me. I forgot to pray for them today. And pray. <laughs> He'll go, I need to stop talking to that guy about it or her, you know, okay? Because <laughs> every time I bring it up, they start praying and it causes me more grief. And that's how you work. That's how you turn the tables on the devil every single time. Back to verse 10. So he says that you may walk worthy of the Lord. So you're praying for them. And you're saying, Lord, that they may walk worthy of you. Okay, worthy of the Lord. And fully pleasing him. I want you to notice, not just pleasing him, but fully pleasing him. Don't you love this? I love it that he said, filled with the knowledge of his will. Not just a little bit, but filled. And here he says that they may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Oh, praise the Lord. Isn't that what we're looking for in ourselves, much less everybody else? Amen. But remember, we're talking about the sinning Christian now, okay? Doesn't that mean all of us too? Yes, it does, <laughs> okay? Which is why I said this prayer is good for you as much as for, for praying it for anybody else. Let's continue and see. He says, being fruitful in every good work. Wow, are you getting this? This, I mean, when you look at this, if you begin to speak over people that you have concerns about in this way, if you begin to pray for them in this way, can you see what you're doing? You are establishing things into their life. And where, whenever the door even cracks open a tiny bit, if they make any kind of, you know, m uh, movement toward, maybe I should be doing better, it'll flood in, <laughs> okay? What you want to do, and, you know, I said this, uh, I don't know when I said this, but anyway, one of the sessions, you know, I said one of the things that God has asked me to do for you guys is when I pray, he said, your job, one of my jobs, okay, <laughs> is to pray that it is easy for people to do the right thing. Did you hear me? Because he said the devil is doing everything he can to make it easy for them to do the wrong thing and hard to do the right thing. He said you pray the exact opposite. You pray so that it is easy for them to do the right thing and really hard and difficult and everything gets in their way when they want to go do the wrong thing. I just think hallelujah, amen, I can do that. So that's what I pray. I mean, I just go directly opposite to the devil, okay? And that's why if you are trying to do something naughty and you are getting interrupted, that's why. Okay, <laughs> blame me. Then send an off note. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> because you've just, you've just stopped something coming into your life. Amen. Okay, moving on. He says, again, being fruitful in every good work. And watch this increasing in the knowledge of God. Do you know as you increase in the knowledge of God, you do less and less dumb things? Because you begin to understand the way God thinks. You begin to understand why he's, why he's telling you things. Not just what he's telling you, but why. You know, I always look for the why behind the what. Because then I can see where, you know, if the enemy tries to sneak in somewhere, I figure it out. I can figure out because I know the why. If you all, if you all only know the what, then he can use scripture to take you down. But if you know why that scripture was written and he tries to misuse it, you go, ha ha, I know what you're trying to do, you bad devil. <laughs> okay? And instead of using scriptures to take you down, remember he did that with Jesus? He said, cast yourself off. Doesn't the Bible say, doesn't the word of God say that the angels, you know, will, will lift you up and so on and so forth? And he said, shut up. You will not tempt the Lord your God. <laughs> okay? See, he knew to, to come against scripture with scripture. 
Amen. That's where a lot of Christians fail. I got to keep going. Oh, dear Lord. All right. Uh, verse 11. <laughs> There's so much in this. Can I get amen? All right. I, I could preach on this, and I know that you'd, you'd enjoy it all. It goes and says, verse 11, strengthened with all might. One of the things that, that happens to Christians when they are sinning is they are weak. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, a sinning Christian is a Christian isn't a strong Christian. It is a person that has been weakened in some area of their life by the enemy. So when you pray that they are strengthened with all might, you start to, you start to bring in and speak in. Remember how the Apostle John said that you can give them life? This is how you give them life. Ask God and he'll give you life for them. Here it is. As you pray that they are strengthened with all might, what do you think happens? God begins to you know, inject life into them. And they'll start to feel strong. And in that moment of weakness, in that moment of whatever is going on, suddenly they'll kind of go, "Woo, something's going on. Hallelujah. Amen. And you're praying. That's why we are to be led by the Spirit when we pray, not just at the time that's convenient for us. Because that time may not be when, the, you know, the devil knows when you pray. What he doesn't know is that, that random card. You know, the <laughs> when, when he tries to do something and you just drop everything and start praying. Oh, you just keep working and pray. You can pray in the Spirit. Don't need a lot of intellect for that. Hallelujah, because it works on a whole other level. Amen? Amen. And, you know, th that's, that's the Christian he can't defeat. That's, that's a problem, a pain in his side, because every time he starts to work on one person, somebody just goes, hmm, I think I need to pray for them. And he goes, oh, man. You know, I just set this thing up really well. And then they come in and just wipe it all out with one prayer. <laughs> okay? Hallelujah. Anyway, he goes on to say, according to his glorious power. So notice, you are strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. I, I love that he didn't say his power. He said his glorious power. This is more than power. This is glory. Ooh, do you know what's so significant about glory? is that the devil can't stand in the presence of the thing. Amen? When that glorious power begins to operate in your life, the light comes in and the demons flee. Amen? That's why we pray according to the word, not according to what we all think. We shall pray because we're going to pray this really good prayer. Don't do that. Just get the word out and start praying. Amen? Hallelujah. He says, and <laughs> oh, the next part. He says, for all patience and long suffering with joy. Because I, I don't want that. No, <laughs> but you need it. The enemy will attack people on all different levels. If you don't pray this, then they won't be long-suffering. And they won't be joyful about it. Do you know what joy is? Your strength. You need strength when you're going through something. You need strength when the enemy is attacking you and haranguing you and you know just, just doing everything that he can. Amen? And if you pray this, then you're opening the door for God to bless them with that as well. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. Boy, don't you love that? See, this is where you give thanks to God and say, Lord, open his eyes so that he understands that, or he or she, okay, <laughs> let's say either. All right, he or she understands the inheritance that they're walking away from. Every time they take a step towards sin, they're walking away from their blessing. Amen. And this is an inheritance. It means it's got your name on it. Don't walk away from it. And he goes on to say, and I, I like that in the light. Oh, gee, I don't have time to preach on all of it. Verse 13. I want you to notice verses 13 and 14. Follow all of this. We know verses 13 and 14. 
But I want you to notice where it actually belongs, where he says that he has delivered us from the power of darkness. In other words, family, whatever that Christian is suffering through, whatever that Christian you know, is having trouble with, he has been delivered from the power of darkness, which means that the devil has no power over that person. Not really. Are you all with me? And you need to pray that and say, devil, take your hands off of them. You have no power over them. And you are praying scripturally. Amen? So you're, you, you're, you're praying strength into them. You're praying life into them. You're praying that glory onto them. And then you are binding the devil and reminding him that he has no power over them. These are all things that you can do. And notice he says, and conveyed us into the kingdom of, of the son of his love. In other words, you, you remind the devil that not only is he bound and has no power, but they belong to another kingdom now. They don't belong to him and they can't ha- he can't have access to them. Amen? Sorry, I'm just doing this, okay? Because this is how you pray. All right. <laughs> uh, verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. This is when you remind the devil also that we, the, the forgiveness that they have, even if they sin, it's because of the blood of Christ, not because of what they deserve. Amen? And that's why I think this is so important that we understand that, you know, because that's one of the other things that the devil does is he'll say, hey, look at them. Do they really deserve to be forgiven? And you, what you need to do is look at the cross, not them. Please don't look at them, <laughs> okay? That's a real downer sometimes. Okay, you need to look at the cross and you need to say, no, the blood paid for it. I don't care how bad that was, this was worse. What happened to Jesus on the cross was enough, more than enough, for sin, past, present, and future. Whatever anybody does, it paid for it all. Hallelujah. Amen? So that's how all those verses work as you're praying, very briefly, okay, for for a sinning Christian. Does that help you? I want to take you to some parallel verses in Ephesians. Just three verses. I'll get through this quickly, but I pray that this is helping you, not only f- to pray for yourself, but for others as well. You know, if you pray this for yourself, then it'll, it'll be there for you to pray for others as well. Amen? And in Ephesians chapter 1, I want to read from verses 16 through 18, again, prayers. I'm giving you prayers to pray regarding sinning Christians and for yourself. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Verse 17, watch what he prays now. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, I love the way he does that, okay, says, may give you, or give to you, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Oh, I like that. Not just wisdom, but revelation in the knowledge of him. You know, it's revelation knowledge that moves you. Revelation knowledge is is what takes you from a place of, oh, that's nice to know, to hallelujah, I can do that. I see how that works. You know, when something is revealed in you, that's when the power explodes on the inside. Amen? Hallelujah. (laughs) And I, I love verse 18. I love this verse. He says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. You know, that's one of the key things we need to pray for people that are, that are going the wrong way, that are slipping and falling, that the eyes of their understanding are enlightened, that they begin to see, hang on a second, what's actually happening here? What's really going on? You know, when you get that, when the eyes of your understanding, you know, when you understand something, you know, it's one thing to look at something and go, I don't get it, <laughs> okay? But, you know, suddenly you understand something. I remember, uh, give you this example. 
when I was doing uh, computer science at, uh, at uni, one of the things that happened was, you know, the, the teacher said this to us. She said, I'm going to write stuff on here. You just copy it out. You won't get it. But at, at some stage, everything will wire up and you suddenly go, I get it. That's the eyes of your understanding made light. And then the day came. Okay, I, I thought, yeah, whatever. And so <laughs> but I was obedient. I was obedient, little child. Okay? And I mean, none of it made any sense. And <laughs> the joke of it was I took that as a, geez, I wonder what else I could do with my maths, physics, and chemistry. You know what I'm trying to say? And, and my friend goes, oh, just take computer science. It's a breeze. It was the worst one. So anyway, <laughs> I'm sitting there hating him for doing that and sitting there going, I don't get anything. And then, lo and behold, the eyes of my understanding were enlightened. And suddenly everything made sense. And I thought, this is really cool. And it became my favorite subject. <laughs> okay. So anyway, that's what happens when the eyes of your understanding are enlightened. You suddenly see things in a different light. And you go, oh, I get it. And then, you know, the first thing I do when that happens to me in this sense is I go, sorry, Lord, I see what you were trying to say now and why you were saying don't go in this direction as much as I really wanted to. I get it now. Amen? That's what they need. They need that kind of revelation and that kind of opening of their eyes. Amen? So that they kind of go, I see where, what all this is actually about. Don't have any more time. Let me just leave it there. He says that you may know what is the hope of his calling. You know, that is another thing. And we discussed this before. Notice that he says the hope of his calling. It, when you have a hope, when you go, hey, God's hope for me is that I do this, that I accomplish this in my life, that, you know, I make something of my life. You, you know, that makes a difference in you when somebody is believing in you. Amen. When somebody is kind of rooting for you and going, I'm still believing. Even though you gave up on you, I never did. You know God's like that? Everybody that, have, that has given up on themselves, God still believes in them. Which is why he wants you to pray for them. Because you are the avenue through which he can express his belief in them. And restore them back to a place where they are believing in themselves. Amen. Amen. Okay, I've got to hurry up because I so am running out of time here. Uh, and he says again that you may know the hope of his calling. And I'm going to finish on this. I mean, the Apostle Paul just keeps going and going. We're just going to finish on this line here. It says, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, which is what we dealt with before. But again, that is something that is so important. People don't realize the treasure, the blessing, the inheritance that they're walking away from every time they walk towards something that is unrighteous. Amen. Amen. I'm going to leave it there and move on to the next thing very quickly, <laughs> okay? Because I've said here, and as they grow and mature in Christ, you stop praying for them. No, don't, <laughs> all right? But as they grow and mature in Christ, you can pray something else, and I'm going to give this to you. And again, please don't take this as, oh, dear God, another burden, another thing on my plate. You do this as you are led by the Spirit. If you are led by the Spirit to pray for someone, I want you to know where to go. Not to be standing there for 20 minutes going, I don't know where to go, Lord. That is a waste of time. You could have been praying for 20 minutes. Amen? And it only might be five minutes worth of prayer you need. So you spend 20 minutes finding the thing, praying for five minutes. It's taken you almost half an hour to do something that should have been five minutes. Aren't I sweet? I'm helping you do it in five minutes. Okay? <laughs> All right. If you feel to go longer, please do. If you're going shorter, go shorter. But whatever it is, make sure it's coming from the heart that you are, you are believing as you are praying. All right. 
So as they grow and mature in Christ, you can go on to pray according to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. That's where Paul says, therefore, as the elect of God, see, now they're elect of God. Now they're doing good, okay? All right, he says, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility. I could preach on every single one of these, meekness, long-suffering, Watch where all this is coming from, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. What is this all about? Love. Because once you get past all your problems, <laughs> okay, then you're starting to rub with other people. One of the things that you must not do is get out of love because then you jeopardize all that you have worked so hard for. And all, you know everything that you've gained, you'll start to lose if you walk out of love. This is one of the things that the devil does to Christians that are just growing strong and they're growing in faith and they start doing certain things and then he'll, he'll just get them on this point. He'll get them with the love side. And then they'll just go spiraling down. Because remember Jesus, as much as he spoke about the mountain, the faith that moves mountains in Mark 11, 23 and 24, and the prayer that does the same thing, he goes on to talk about forgiveness and love in verses 25 and 26. Because he's, that is directly related to the other. And so a lot of Christians get awesome at Mark 11, 23 and 24 and fail at verses 25 and 26. They hold on to all sorts of things and then they wonder how come the miracle isn't happening? Why isn't the mountain moving? I thought I had the faith. Maybe you don't have the love. So that's why you need to pray. And so this is why he says here, bearing with one another, I'm back in Colossians 3.13, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as, high, as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all things, put on love. Which, see that? Which is the bond of perfection. That's where it's perfect. Because love never fails. Amen. When you step into love, God is love. You're stepping into God and you, you put yourself in a position where the enemy can't do anything to you. Because as you're walking in love, something happens. All kinds of supernatural things are loosed into your life, good ones. <laughs> okay, And they come and start fighting battles for you that you didn't know existed. You know, I used to think I should defend myself and God says, let me defend you, I'm better at it. Sure. <laughs> and so I was good with that, and he has done a great job over the years. Every time I tried to do it, fell flat on my face. Uh, <laughs> where are we? Okay, verse 15. He says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I want you to notice with love comes peace. One of the things that we, I, I think we really suffer, is when we don't have peace, there is not a calmness and the ability to think through things correctly. When you're in turmoil, you can't think straight. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Amen. It is when you're in peace that you can hear that still small voice of God, that he begins to speak to you and you go, yeah. Then that's one of the things that you really need to pray, not only over yourself, but over those Christians as well, that, that they walk in that love and in that peace so that they can hear the voice of God in amongst whatever turmoil that the enemy is trying to bring across their path, that they hear that voice and they know to follow that voice. Those that are led by the Spirit of God, those are the children of God. Amen? All right, moving on. So again, he says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also, uh, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Boy, that, yeah. 
I can't, I don't have time, okay? <laughs> Meditate on this, please, all right? And he says, teaching and admonishing uh, one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in, uh, with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Verse 17, and this is a key, I need to talk, spend a minute on this. He says, and whatever you do in word, and word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In other words, one of the things that you need to pray is that whatever you do, whatever they do, that they are doing it as unto the Lord. The reason is that one of the things Satan uses you know, against people is when they do a good job. You know, they, they, they feel like they've got their life together and they're doing all the right things and then they work really hard and somebody doesn't recognize it. In fact, somebody sort of, you know, may do something opposite than recognize it, <laughs> okay? Uh, does something very bad, puts them down, whatever. And then you can get to the place where you just go, you know what, forget about this. You know, I thought if I was good, everything will work out. How come this is happening? Well, that's because you did it to them, not to the Lord. If you do it as unto the Lord, even if they don't recognize you, you'll know, Lord, you saw what I did. You are my rewarder. I'm looking to you, not to man. Get it? And then... The enemy can't use anything or anyone to take them down because their eyes are on the Lord. Amen? I don't have any more time. I'm sorry. i got to move on. Uh, we need to finish this. And for all those times that they or we <laughs> may stumble and fall <laughs> along the way, always remember what the Apostle John said in uh, 1 John chapter 2, the latter half of verse 1. I looked at the first half. I want you to see the latter half as we conclude. He says, but if anyone sins... We have an advocate, a defense attorney with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Do you know why he calls him Jesus Christ, the righteous? Because it takes Jesus Christ, the righteous, to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness and bring us back to a place of righteousness, his righteousness. Amen? And I, I honestly believe that the Apostle John wrote that in on, pur on purpose so that we understand that the righteousness we receive when we are forgiven is His righteousness and it is Him with that righteousness that goes in, you know, to fight uh, or to bat on our behalf in the, in the courtroom of God. Amen? And what we receive isn't just a, a kind of, okay, we'll let you off this time. It is a total restoration back to a place of perfection. Where the devil and God and everybody else can't tell the difference between Jesus and you. Hallelujah. Amen. That's a good place to be. In this way, the devil cannot stop ordinary people like me and you with all of our flaws, doing extraordinary things for God and fulfilling our destiny in Christ. Can I get amen? Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father.